When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Remember when Michael Burnham went to the future, to the 32nd century, and she was there for a year before the USS Discovery showed up. And we're all asking, well, what happened in that year? Are we going to see what happened to Burnham in that year? Well, we're now getting answers to that, and we're going to discuss that here on today's show. Welcome, everyone, to Positively Trek. I'm Bruce Gibson, and with me, as he always is in a positive manner, is Dan Gunther. How you doing, Dan? Not too bad. You can't get rid of me. I'm always sticking around. <laughs> I'm so glad because I would not show up if you weren't here. Oh, well, I feel the same. Absolutely. I wouldn't show up if I wasn't here either. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> that just shows that the show would work without me. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I don't think it would. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, anyway, it's so good to have everybody here with us. We appreciate that. And, uh, we're going to talk about some things that are going on in Star Trek news lately. And a few things we're going to discuss is what I mentioned earlier. And that is that we are finding out what Burnham was doing in that year. That's coming up in a novel. And in addition to that, we're getting even more novels. So we have a lot of book news we're going to get to. Oh, I'm so excited about that. I know. Aren't, <laughs> I, I'm so excited. We got so much. We're going to just gobble all that up. We're really going to get into it because I've got a lot of opinions and some thoughts about this stuff. I also have a theory on some other new books that haven't been announced yet. And we're going to touch on that too. All right. Okay. I know it. And then uh, there's a new game out too. That's free. We're going to touch on that later. I've already played it. So I was going to ask if you've played that. Okay. I'm really excited. That's cool. I haven't had a chance yet. So yeah, it's online for free. We'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about how Star Trek discovery is going to fit in with Calypso, that short track where we saw the discovery in the future. There's a lot to talk about there, too. So that's all what's coming up. But the first thing I'm going to hit on is that this year is the 55th anniversary of Star Trek. 55 years. I mean, first of all, I'm just amazed that we reached 50 and the popularity of Star Trek at that time. But I feel like it's even more popular now at 55 years. What's it going to be like at 100 years? Man, I can't even imagine. I remember when I was first becoming a Star Trek fan, and shortly after that was the 25th anniversary of Star Trek. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, 25 years. That's such a long time. I, of course, was quite young at the time. But now there's been longer in Star Trek history since the 25th anniversary than there was before the 25th anniversary. Kind of weird to, way to phrase it, but I, I just, it's just, I can't believe it's been around this long and that I've been a fan for this long. And 
you know, 55 years. I, I couldn't have imagined that back in the 25th anniversary. Yeah, I, it was around the 25th anniversary that I really became a big hardcore fan of Star Trek. And I just remember at that time, all the 25th anniversary things, merchandise coming out, and they took the James Blish novels and republished those into 25th anniversary editions, which I didn't buy. I kept debating about it, but eventually I've caught up to that. But, you know, there's just so much going on, and the Undiscovered Country came out, all these things. And who would have known that 30 years after that, here you and I are doing a podcast, we've got new Star Trek, we had what, two new series last year and a new season of another series and we got more coming. I mean, it just never stops. It's crazy. I, I think about, you know, if my younger self, if I'd have appeared to my younger self back then and said, you know, in in so many years, you're going to be doing a podcast about Star Trek. I'd be, well, first of all, what the heck's a podcast? What are you talking <laughs> about? What's going on here? But no, I, I remember those James Blish books also. Actually, my local library had copies all, of all of them. That might have been the first bit of Star Trek that I ever maybe glanced at or something as far as the written word goes was, uh, I think I remember taking those out of the library back then and that old Star Trek 25th anniversary logo that, you know, was on everything at the time. And there were trading cards and, and all these different things with that logo. I just also remember thinking, wow, Star Trek's been around for a long time. And that mm. was just at 25. Yeah. <laughs> now we're looking at 55. And I really do wonder what it would look like in the year on its 100th anniversary. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, we're all probably sitting here going, are we going to even be around by then? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean it's not so. that far off. I mean, 2066, that's not too far in the future. No. That's crazy. Well, because we're just talking about the 25th anniversary. That was 30 years ago. Yeah. And let's put another 30 on this 55. That takes us to, what, 85? So that takes us to 80. The 80th anniversary is another 30 years from now. So we're even That's inching crazy. closer. But here's the thing that kind of bothers me is I am, I am uh, one year younger than Star Trek, meaning... Actually, Star Trek turns 55 this fall, right? Mm -hmm. I turned 54 this fall. <laughs> That's crazy. So the idea of the 100th anniversary, I'll be 99. Oh, wow. So, Dan, you're kind of depressing me at the same time when you're like, oh, it's not that far away. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be 99 and not that long from now right oh no 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 that's not that's not what i meant in 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 the cosmic scale of things it's not that far away but it, it's a long ways off you know speaking of of us and our experiences absolutely yeah forever okay so let's just fast forward to the 100th anniversary what do you think star trek would look like then because oh, you're 100 man. years from the original series and even as we look at discovery and strange new worlds they've already changed the look of a lot of the things, the uniforms, you know, some tweaks here and there, the bridge, the Enterprise itself. I just, you know, the shows are going to age even more the longer we go. Do you think we'll see some kind of Star Trek reboot between now and then? Oh, I mean, yeah, there. I think if Star Trek is still an ongoing concern, there's going to be multiple reboots between now and then. But yeah, I, I feel like the older shows and stuff are just going to become more and more quaint as time goes on, 
you know, sad to say some of the, the themes and stuff are, are timeless, but you know, the looks of the shows, you know, the original series, the way it looks now and the way it looked even a few decades ago, I think we're going to see more and more of that as TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, as those age, I think they're going to just kind of be lumped in with, oh, that old Star Trek that looks cheesy and corny and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, I, it happens. <laughs> things move on and things change. So, yeah, I, I feel like there's going to be as each new generation experiences Star Trek and and makes their own version of it. We're going to get multiple reboots as, you know, like you could call the motion picture a reboot, right? You can call the next generation a reboot like that changeover as far as the the look and feel of things in Star Trek goes. Yeah, each new generation is going to have their own take. And of course, the J.J. Abrams movies are probably one of the biggest reboots because it's not just on how the sets look, but just, you know, a new cast playing existing characters. I mean, we may get something similar with the next generation or Voyager or Deep Space, Deep Space Nine or any of these where we all of a sudden have a new actor playing Cisco, you know, and maybe DS9 space station looks a little different, you know, or maybe they don't go there, but I can certainly see them redoing the original series and next generation, those two, mm-hmm. especially in some kind of new reboot. Yeah, what's interesting is how the history of Star Trek just kind of updates as we go along. So, you know, we're well past 1996, for example, where Khan was supposed to have ruled Earth and then left on the Botany Bay. By 2066, first contact with the Vulcans will be three years in the past, right? Right. 2063, I think. So, Yeah. yeah, like what will the history of Star Trek look like? Will they kind of update it and have a new kind of canon for how that works? Or will that just be an alternate timeline that like, oh, we're not in that universe. Star Trek's just trucking along in an alternate reality from the one we live in. Yeah, that's what I think they'll do. It'll be some alternate timeline, you know, parallel universe or something like that, where the eugenic wars didn't happen World War Three didn't happen, or maybe they will happen, but further into the future. Yeah, I think we'll get some kind of reboot, which I'm fine with. You know, it's it's a different take on Star Trek, and we, to your point, we're catch, catching up to that those times that you know things are going to actually happen the way they're supposed to happen. We're not going to have first contact with Vulcans in 2063. We just mm-hmm. know that's not going to happen. I'm looking forward to all of the YouTube channels or whatever it is that is around at that time who are all saying like, oh, this new Star Trek is nothing like that old Star Trek. Star Trek Discovery and Picard, that was where it was at. Like that all that old Star Trek, that was the good stuff. This stuff now is, ugh, no, it's no good. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's definitely going to happen. That's if YouTube (laughs) is still around. I predict Star Trek will still be around, but YouTube won't. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, whatever whatever replaces YouTube, whatever is around right. that fills that space. Absolutely. Holographic YouTubers that just <laughs> like beam in your house and stand there and, and talk to you. <laughs> I don't like the future. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the one reason we're bringing up the 55th anniversary is also that we have a new logo for it. And if you go to Star Trek.com, you should be able to find it there. They have their 25th anniversary collection of merchandise and we'll have a link directly to that page of course in the show notes as well so you won't have to just google around for it (laughs) yeah so go check it out because they've got t-shirts they got hoodies they have mugs they got a blanket 
a Tumblr. And first of all, before we talk about the merchandise, I want to talk about this logo. I think the logo is beautiful. It's got that same look of the gold, red, and blue in the background. And then we have the Delta Shield with the Enterprise, the 1701 in front of that. And then next to it says 55 years and the traditional Star Trek logo behind, uh, below that. Yeah, absolutely. This is why I was bringing up the 25th anniversary logo on all the, the merchandise back then. We get this version now. And yeah, those colors, they're similar to, if you remember, the Star Trek Universe logo that came out a while ago. Uh, similar look to that. But yeah, this update with the 55 years and the Enterprise flying across the Delta Shield. Just a gorgeous logo and I think a really interesting looking branding for uh, the 55th anniversary here. So are you planning to buy any of this merchandise, Dan? I am not just because of current financial circumstances, unfortunately, but, uh, but it's gorgeous. I would love to get my hands on it if possible. <laughs> okay. So you would like something. So if finances were an issue, you would probably get one of the, at least one of these items, you think? Oh, I could see myself rocking that hoodie for sure. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. This is where I have an issue because I have so many mugs tumblers hoodies t-shirts that a lot of times i look at stuff like this i go oh i really want that but then i'm like but i already have so many and it doesn't help in the field that i'm in because i go to a lot of trade shows in the tv industry so i have like so many of this stuff that have mtv logos on them nbc logos on them cnn whatever you name a network i've got that logo on something in my house you know but I'm, I, I don't know. I don't have as many blankets. So maybe I might, maybe I'll, oh, but $70. Okay, forget that. I'm not doing a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because we have so many blankets at our house. Like the way you're talking about clothes, that's how I feel. Like we have all of these blankets. I don't know. There was like a couple years there where it just became a thing to give bl comfy blankets as gifts. And I don't know. We bought a bunch for people. We got a bunch ourselves. We have so many blankets in our house. <laughs> well, I guess we also do have a lot of blankets, but I always think of the blankets as being my wife's and my daughter's blankets. Like they're the ones with the blankets. The only blankets I have, I have two down here in my room. One is a Penn State blanket because that's where I went to college. And then the other one is a <laughs> an outdoor channel blanket that I got at a trade show. I need nice. something Star Trek. So I <laughs> probably won't spend $70 on a blanket, but I'm now thinking maybe I'll just get a mug. <laughs> it is kind of a gorgeous blanket though. So I wouldn't blame you if you wanted it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, happy 55th anniversary to Star Trek. And we'll be celebrating that all year long, but don't go anywhere. We have more to talk about, but first this brief message. We appreciate you listening to positively Trek. We are an independent podcast and rely on listeners like you to help us bring you new episodes each week. If you are interested in becoming a patron of the show and supporting us with a monthly donation, please visit patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Perks include exclusive content as well as shoutouts and producer credits and more. Hosting fees and other expenses do add up fast and we appreciate any help you can give us. But don't worry, Positively Trek is free and always will be. Thank you for all of your continued support and we appreciate you spending your time with us. And now, back to the show. So I want to talk about Calypso because this is something I've been wondering about for a while, especially after this season of discovery. So Calypso is that episode that we see that takes place a thousand years in the future, this abandoned ship, 
And we got this guy that comes on the ships and talks to the ship and has a romance with the ship, and then he leaves the ship. <laughs> that's that's my quick summary of Calypso, unless you want to add anything to it. <laughs> no, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I just figure if you're listening, you probably know what we're talking about. Well, I was looking on trekmovie.com, and they took two quotes out from uh, showrunners of Discovery. So the first one's from Alex Kurtzman, and he was on a podcast called Blurred Girl. I've never heard of that podcast. Do you listen to that, Dan? I don't, but uh, it sounds interesting. I'd like to check it out. <laughs> what is Blurred Girl? And that's G-U-R-L. I, I'm assuming it's a spoof on Nerd Girl. I just want to know how Alex got on their show, not ours. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Anyway, that's something I can do after the show. So anyway, Alex says, we definitely knew that we wanted to connect Calypso to Discovery. And obviously, we did because we did it in Calypso. How did this voice end up on the ship, and why is the ship empty? So we have a lot to answer there. We love connecting Discovery to the short treks. Okay, so that's good, Dan. That means they haven't forgotten about Calypso. They're going to make it connect. Yeah, and I mean, this is one of those things that I, I think it's funny that people need reassurance. Like, we saw Calypso. We know they're going to connect it somehow. I don't understand the people who are worried that, like, oh, they're just going to forget that they produced this episode and put it out there. What I'm wanting to know is, of course, how they're going to do it. And I think it's going to be a fun, interesting story when they do. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious they were always... They always had something in mind with how they were going to go with this. Yeah, well, I have to agree with you, but I, I have been a little concerned. I was never that concerned that they wouldn't connect to it. But uh, when we started to see that Discovery has been rebuilt into a, tw a 32nd century version of itself, and it's changed its registry number to 1031A, but the one we see in Calypso looks like the older Discovery and doesn't have the A. Mm -hmm. So how do you make that work? And it's like, did they paint themselves in a corner? It's like, first of all, they never had to give it the A designation. They, they didn't have to rebuild the ship, in my opinion, in season three, and they could have easily connected to Calypso. Now I'm not sure how they would do it. See, and that's what I'm excited about because we know they're going to connect to Calypso and now I'm even more excited to see how they do it. The thing with the refit of Discovery is it took all of three weeks and the writers can write whatever they want. So I feel like it's something, you know, the entire ship is filled with programmable matter. I feel like they've written themselves a really easy way to make that all fit. What I'm curious about is the why. Like, why does the ship look the way it does how does that all connect? I'm really fascinated to find that all out. But as, as far as like a concern that the writers won't be able to write the, their way out of it, I, I don't see that myself just because they're writers. They can write whatever they want and make it make sense. Does that, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. My concern is, and by the way, I'm interested in that too. I'm excited about that too. I just hope that doesn't feel forced where all of a sudden it's like, uh, that just seems like they copped out and, you know, I don't think they will, but I like the idea of thinking about why would the ship go back to its original look? And I thought, well, you know, it's possible the ship itself changed itself back mm -hmm. to the way it looked. 
See, now you're thinking like a writer. <laughs> no, I'm really fascinated and I'm I'm definitely giving the writers the benefit of the doubt here that they're going to come up with something really fascinating and interesting. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Well, you say they, they'll come up with. Maybe they already know. That could very well be. Absolutely. We need to ask them. Let's ask Michelle Paradise because she was interviewed in Inverse and I'm not going to read her her quote because it basically says what we've been saying. They're going to keep it connected. She says Calypso is now part of canon, so they have to honor that. So, I mean, they're both saying that we have to keep it connected. So, Yeah. And of course, all the hints we got in season three, like if they wanted to just forget about it and make fans not remember it, they'd not introduce the Zora construct and, and have the same voice that they had in Calypso. And they wouldn't do all these things that are like peppering the little hints. So, you know, I, I get excited each time there's another little connection to Calypso because it's coming. We're going to find it out at some point. Okay. So what's the connection to Ephraim and Dot that the Enterprise has an A before it's ready to have an A? <laughs> sometimes there are just mistakes and that when they have come out and admitted they made a mistake so i've seen people online just you know continually bash them and harp on them for a little animation mistake yeah it was a mistake it happens people need to just relax <laughs> i just say it took place in a parallel timeline where it became the a during its refit in the motion picture so that explains it right there. If you need an explanation, that's that makes it valid now. So done. <laughs> Just be creative. You can make it all work. That's my opinion. And that's what I love about the books because the books are creative and they get to fill in the blanks. And boy, are we going to talk about some books coming out. Ooh, I'm excited for these. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's like... This just makes me giddy because, you know, <laughs> I never think of myself as being giddy. But I am. The thing about this is we're waiting here to find out more news of when Prodigy is coming out. When's the next season of Discovery and Picard and Lower Deck? When are all these things coming out? We don't have answers. But right now, I'm okay with that because I'm getting books and I'm getting some answers for that. And that's just good enough for me for right now. And one of the things I'm really excited about is this next new book that is going to fill in those blanks between... Burnham arriving in the 32nd century and that year that passes through to when the discovery shows up. We have always said, when do we, are we going to see what happens during that year? What's going to happen in that year? And we even said, maybe they'll make a novel. Maybe there'll be a novel about what happens in that year. And honestly, I didn't expect that we'd, we'd get this early and we are getting one in May and it's by one of our favorite authors. I mean, come on, they're all our favorite authors, but one of our favorite authors, Una McCormick, who's been on the show, she's writing this book called Wonderlands, and uh, we got a cover and a blurb. Absolutely. Yeah, the cover came a little bit after the, the blurb and stuff, and, and this cover is gorgeous. I think you and I were talking before we started recording. It looks like a movie poster. It's got that blue and orange thing going on. We see Burnham and Book on the cover with Discovery flying by in the background, uh, absolutely gorgeous cover. I re I'm really looking forward to this one, both because of what it's about, who the author is, and of course, that cover. <laughs> I know, it really does look like a movie poster. This looks like it could be a movie that's coming out on Paramount+. Plus, mm -hmm. But it's not. It's a book, and we're going to read the book. And we're going to have Una McCormick on to talk about the book. We haven't asked her yet, 
But, you know, she's a friend of the show, so I'm sure she'll come on. So, again, it's coming out in May. And, Dan, since you like to read blurbs, would you like to read this one? Sure. An all-new novel based upon the explosive Star Trek TV series. In a desperate attempt to prevent the artificial intelligence known as Control from seizing crucial information that could destroy all sentient life, Commander Michael Burnham donned the Red Angel time travel suit and guided the USS Discovery into the future and out of harm's way. But something has gone terribly wrong, and Burnham has somehow arrived in a place far different from anything she could have imagined, more than 900 years out of her time, with discovery nowhere to be found, and where the mysterious and cataclysmic event known as the Burn has utterly decimated Starfleet and, with it, the United Federation of Planets. How, then, can she possibly exist day to day in this strange place? What worlds are out there waiting to be discovered? Do any remnants of Starfleet and the Federation possibly endure? With more questions than answers, Burnham must nevertheless forge new friendships and new alliances if she hopes to survive this future long enough for the Discovery crew to find her. Wow, that doesn't tell us a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) Not a whole lot. I'm excited we're going to be getting, you know, what's going on during that year. There's so many little references throughout season three to it. So like what happened on Donatu three or whatever book says at one point, oh, we can do what we did at, you know, this planet. I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll see some of those stories and, you know, give added meaning to those bits of dialogue in season three. And of course, it wouldn't be Star Trek Discovery without the requisite Alice in Wonderland reference. So I thought that was a clever little bit as well. Yeah. And to your point, those callbacks to what we heard on screen, I do expect that because you know, every time I watch Discovery and Burn would say, oh, like the time you did blah, 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 blah to book. I was like, yep, we're going to hear about that in a novel, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Una's got those scripts well ahead in advance to go ahead and incorporate that stuff into this novel. Or it is possible she started writing things into the novel and the writer's team knew of it and referred to something that she was writing in the novels. That's true. That could be cool. That would be really cool because, you know, that just gives Una more cred that she's important, which we all know she is. So I'm excited for May. I can't wait to get my hands on this book. It does feel like we're getting, you know, more discovery. Uh, You know, I'm okay waiting for season four because I'm getting this in May. I also love, of course, we have the new Star Trek Discovery logo on it, which is just so sharp. It looks really good on a book cover. Yeah, I have to admit, I like this logo better than the other one. Not that I didn't like the other one. I just, Mm -hmm. yeah, to your point, it just looks sharp. It looks good. Well... Another book's coming out the next month in June. It's an original series novel by Christopher L. Bennett, and it is Living Memory. So this takes place in the movie era. Thank goodness, because I'm always wanting more movie era books. I have no problem with the five-year mission, but we have so many that take place during that five-year mission. We've got 25 more years that we can explore. We don't have to do it in those five years. (laughs) Absolutely. And Christopher L. Bennett's done a lot of books in the movie era. So, yeah, he's kind of known for this period of time the post uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, pre Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. This is kind of his wheelhouse, and I really enjoy his stories set there. Yes. Would you like to read this one, or you want me to take a turn? I can go for it. <laughs> okay, do it. 
While attempting to settle in as Commandant of Starfleet Academy, Admiral James T. Kirk must suddenly contend with the controversial, turbulent integration of an alien warrior caste into the student body, and quickly becomes embroiled in conflict when the Academy controversy escalates to murder. Meanwhile, Captain Spock of the USS Enterprise and Commander Pavel Chekhov of the USS Reliant are investigating a series of powerful cosmic storms seemingly targeting Federation worlds, unstoppable outbursts emitting from the very fabric of space. Endeavoring to predict where the lethal storms will strike next, Spock and Chekhov make the shocking discovery that the answer lies in Commander Naota Uhura's past, one that she no longer remembers. Ooh, so is this going to tie into the fact that her memory was wiped by Nomad? Because that is something that always bugged me in the original series, that like her memory is completely wiped by Nomad, and they're like, ah, oh, we retrain her, she's fine next week. I, You know, I don't know. <laughs> when you read that part, that's what popped into my memory. It's funny, because I read this earlier, and I didn't even think of that, but for some reason reading it this time, I was like, oh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of it either because when I read it, it didn't even occur to me until you just read it too. That's so weird. It was almost like maybe, like, I think with your voice inflection, I started to read what you were reading into it. <laughs> like, because there's like as if there's something there. And I just, yeah, I pictured that scene where Nomad is just with her, her memory. You know, I, I'm very interested in reading this as always, but, um, you know, Commander Pavel Chekhov of the USS Reliant. That's cool to me because I don't feel like we've seen enough of him as first officer of the Reliant. But where's mm -hmm. Captain Terrell? Why is Terrell not here? Why is Chekhov like off the Reliant with Spock? I'm just curious to see how this plays out. Well, I'm sure Captain Terrell is there, but it's the back cover blurb that's meant to advertise a book. That So they're going to say Chekhov, right? I mean, this is advertising. This isn't necessarily the content of the book. Well, well doesn't everybody want a Captain Terrell novel? <laughs> I mean, you know, Paul Winfield's wonderful. I love Terrell, but, you know, Chekhov, man. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. The names in here, Kirk, Chekhov, Spock, Yahura. Yeah, there's nobody else in there that isn't from the main cast. <laughs> oh, well, yes, no, totally <laughs> makes sense. But yeah, I, I guess what I'm really trying to get at in all seriousness is I'm hoping we do get some Terrell in this mm -hmm. book. Yeah, I like the idea of seeing more of the Reliant pre-con, you know, that's we we see the tragic end of the ship. But I, I like the idea of seeing more of her adventures just as a ship of the line before that. I would love to see a standalone novel or comic that is just the Reliant. Just one. There there've been a couple which are pretty cool. There's a there's a Gorn adventure comic that features Captain Terrell and Commander Chekhov uh, where they encounter the Gorn. I really enjoyed that comic. Uh, Alien Spotlight the Gorn, I think it was called a few years ago. Oh yeah. You know, I never read that one, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I have it. I just haven't read it. Okay. I have to pull that one out. I'm going to read that one. So but I better hurry up and read it because we've got all these books coming out. So in July, we have a TNG book, Shadows Have Offended, by new Star Trek author, Cassandra Rose Clark. I'm excited about this. Dan, you want to take it away? Sure, absolutely. So an original novel based on the acclaimed Star Trek TV series, referring here to the next generation. So... <laughs> The back cover of blurb says the USS Enterprise has been granted the simple but unavoidable honor of ferrying key guests to Beta Z for a cultural ceremony. 
En route, sudden tragedy strikes a Federation science station on the isolated planet Kota, and Captain Jean-Luc Picard has no qualms sending William Riker, Data, and Chief Medical Officer Beverly Crusher to investigate. But what begins as routine assignments for the two parties soon descends into chaos. Picard, Worf, and Deanna Troy must grapple with a dangerous diplomatic crisis as historic artifacts are stolen in the middle of a high-profile ceremony. While well, nothing is as it seems on CODA. A mounting medical emergency coupled with the science station's failing technology and no hope of rescue has Dr. Crusher racing against time to solve the disturbing mystery threatening the lives of all of her colleagues. So I remember reporting about this before, that this is a Crusher-Troy novel, that they're Mm going to be the focus. But when I hear this blurb, I think it's mostly a Crusher novel. Because one of the things, because you do mention about her at the end, racing against time to solve a disturbing mystery. But earlier, I think it's interesting that we refer to William Riker, Data, Worf, Deanna Troy, and Chief Medical Officer Beverly Crusher. Like, they spell out her title. Like, it makes Mm -hmm. it stand out to me that she's, like, the focus of this book. Yeah. I mean, again, remember, it's the marketing people that are writing these up and not necessarily the author, right? So, you know, who knows exactly? But, yeah, I do remember them saying the focus would be mostly on Deanna, Beverly, and Worf as kind of a a big thing. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what this is all about. We do know also that it takes place during season seven of Star Trek, the next generation. So uh, this could be a lot of fun. So it's the missing episode we've heard about for years. (laughs) Well, it's, it's in season seven. So at least hopefully it doesn't feature some long lost family member showing up. Although as far (laughs) as family members showing up, it is talking about beta Z for a cultural ceremony. So is Luxana Troy in this novel is what I want to know. Mm, could be. Anyway, yeah, and there's no long lost episode in case everybody's wondering, why did Bruce say that? It's because Bruce is just being Bruce. So, <laughs> You're talking about the long lost episodes from TNG season eight. Season eight, yes. Yeah, written we, by Mike McMahon. We've already covered those, <laughs> yeah. I have to go back to that episode and listen to us talk about season eight. That was exciting. So yeah, uh, three great novels coming out. Uh, Really excited. Discovery, the original series, and TNG. One each month. And we're going to cover it here on a book club episode. So if you're wondering if we're going to cover them, yes. So when the books come out, read them and join us for the show. And you know, if you have any comments or questions about the novels before we record the episodes with the authors, send them to us. And uh, we'll give you all those details at the end of the episode and how you could reach out to us. And we might use them on the show with the authors. So there you go. I'm excited. I hope we get to meet Cassandra Rose Clark. We've never talked to her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'd be really fascinated to talk to a new Star Trek author for sure. Yes. We're going to have to quiz her, make sure she really knows her Star Trek, you know? No, no. Don't be a gatekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. She's going to know more than I do. I know it. Um, so, you know, here's the other thing. So I do spend some time on Trek BBS. I don't post a lot there. I think I'm still like a Lieutenant because, but I read in there quite often. I just don't really comment that often. So I was going through there and they're talking about, you know, what do we know about what's going to affect the current lit verse continuity that takes place after nemesis because all that's kind of being rewritten with star Trek Picard. And there was a post in there earlier in the week uh, from dark horizon 
who found that on the Simon & Schuster website, they were listing novels coming out in September, October, and November of this year, and they're not titled. They say Untitled C1, Untitled C2, Untitled C3. Now, obviously, this is a trilogy because it is referred to as a TNG trilogy. So we are getting more TNG. Now, I remember when the Destiny trilogy came out. It's not necessarily a TNG trilogy, but it was kind of positioned that way in some marketing, since we were talking about marketing earlier. So it does make me wonder, is this trilogy that's coming out have to do with setting things right and in continuity between the Litverse continuity with the Picard continuity. Now, since that dropped, and since that was identified in Trek BBS, we've gotten some more news. Well, not really news. Jim's Star Trek books has give, found an update that was made that shows that the first book is being written by Dayton Ward. The second one by James Swallow, and the third by David Mack. So it's got to be a trilogy that's doing connecting the two timelines or whatever it is, the two continuities together. That's absolutely my, my guess. We've known for a long time from the authors. They've said, there's a plan in the works. Don't worry, there's a plan in the works. We're going to get this all sorted. And obviously, haven't they haven't been allowed to say much more than that. I think, yeah, I think absolutely that's what this is, is the kind of wrap up slash conversion. I don't know what exactly they're doing. Who knows of the, the TNG post nemesis storyline into the canon storyline of Star Trek. So yeah, that's my guess as well, for sure. I was a little excited when I saw who the authors were, but it wasn't surprising to me. I knew that Dayton was working on maybe, you know, like you're saying, something around this. And so was David Mack, but I didn't know about James Swallow, but earlier in the week, for some reason I was thinking about James and I know that we've talked to him a few times and we've had him on the show and I knew he was working on something and I was going to email him this past week and just say, James, I have a feeling you're working on a trilogy with the other guys, but I know you probably can't tell me, but I'm just going to call it out that I, I'm, I'm expecting that you're going to be involved. And when this dropped, I was like, I knew it. I knew he'd be involved in this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And of course, James Swallow recently wrote the Picard novel, The Dark Veil. Uh, so he's very active in the Star Trek book community. And uh, yeah, I think he's a perfect pick for, uh, you know, a third of this story, whatever it lo- ends up looking like to kind of link these two together. So I want to talk to you about something about the d- two different timelines. I don't think we've ever talked about this. I was thinking because... You know, I'm still reading books in the post-nemesis era, so it's fresh in my mind, and or rereading them, I should say. And then, of course, what's going on in the Picard era, and we read The Dark Veil. And the one thing that occurred to me is Thaddeus in The Dark Veil, he is about five years old, and that book takes place in 2386. So that says that he was born probably in 2381. Well, if you look at the post-nemesis Trek-lit line of books, Deanna Troy had two miscarriages before they had the third pregnancy where they had Tasha. And I thought in that timeline, could Thaddeus have been one of the babies that she had a miscarriage on, but in this other timeline, 
they did something or whatever where she didn't have a, you know, some treatment was done that she didn't have the miscarriage and therefore Thaddeus was born and Tasha wasn't. That's an interesting line of inquiry. I like that. That's fascinating. Because it actually makes it work if you'd say, well, wait, why in one timeline would she have this one kid and different timeline this other? And it's like, well, she may have had Thaddeus if she didn't have the um, miscarriage. So anyway, it was something I was thinking about. There's a lot of probably little connections. The more we think about and dig in that we can probably figure some things out. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So I'm excited. I, I want to see how they tie these together. Uh, we will, of course, have a link to the Trek Collective article that kind of collects all of these blurbs as well. And uh, I'm, I'm quite happy to report on this uh, Trek Collective article as well. I saw that they had mentioned uh, interviews on literary treks, but Positively Trek does get a little shout out at the bottom of the article. So that was really happy to see as well. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and I might as well just say it now, I'm going to be on a soon to be released episode of literary tracks. So I'll be making a little guest appearance there. So synthesis, the Titan book is what we're going to review. So that's why I'm also still playing in that post nemesis era again. Anyway, last thing I want to mention is we have a new game and yes, I tried it out the Star Trek Kobayashi Maru game. It's a web game for free. You just go to the URL, just click on the link. We'll have that in the show notes and you can play the game. And it's a retro style game is what they call it. And it does feel like the old games I used to play in the 90s. It's fun to play around with, but because, you know, it's a no win situation. It's like, well, wait, I'm never going to (laughs) win. Like every time I I played a few times and I end up losing and I'm like, is there even a way to win? (laughs) Well, they do call it nearly impossible to beat, nearly unwinnable. What's really cool to me is the prizes they're offering for the best players. I think that's really cool. Oh, I didn't even look at the prizes. I was just playing the game. So apparently, according to this article about the game that you've linked uh, in our show notes here, the odds of beating the Kobayashi Maru are at about 1 in 10,000. So it is possible to beat it. And the three fastest players to find the hack, as they put it here, and defeat the simulation will win big big prizes, including a CBS All Access lifetime subscription and limited edition Star Trek collectibles. So there's some incentive to try and do really well at this game and to find this exploit that they've built into it, which presumably would be the same exploit that Kirk did when he beat the no-win scenario. So I guess if I keep playing it over and over and over again and do it differently each time, I just might hit this 1 in 10,000 chances. You might, yeah. And if you're one of the three fastest as well, you know, there's there's prizes to be... Uh, claimed. I, did you happen to watch the promo for the game with George Takei? I was just <laughs> going to mention, I love the promo. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. We'll have links to that as well in the show notes for sure. But yeah, I haven't played this yet. So I'm eager to kind of sit down and, and try my hand at this and I'm assuming get frustrated over and over and over again with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's cute. I'll just say that. I mean, it's cute. It doesn't take a lot of like, knowledge and anything you just 
you know, they give you three options to do something and you pick one and then they give you another three options and you pick one and then, you know, you blow up. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. <laughs> well, but you got to figure out how to reprogram the simulator to change the conditions of the test, right? I, I know. I can't figure out how to do that. <laughs> I just feel like Spock is always like breathing over my shoulder and I'm just like, how can I get away from this guy? I got a lot of stuff to do here. <laughs> But yeah, so check that out. Like you said, it'll be in the show notes. So uh, play it. And maybe if you win, you guys should let us know. That would be really cool. I'd love to see what kind of stuff you get. Absolutely, yeah. Little prizes and stuff. Maybe you'll get one of those 55th anniversary things. If you get a blanket, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put it on eBay until you ask if I want it, because maybe I'll give you money. But I'm not paying $70 for it. It's not just not (laughs) happening. (laughs) It'll be less than that, but anyway. Well, that's that's really all we have today. So that being said, Dan, if people want to engage with you, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can also find me on YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And, of course, I'm always kicking around the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with an underline Rex. I'm also on Instagram, just Admiral Rex. And you can find me on Facebook as Bruce Gibson. And of course, I'm in our discussion group. Come join the conversation. We are at Positively Trek Discussion Group on Facebook. We'll let you in. We got some great conversations happening there. We also have our email address that you can send us an email and you can send to Positively Trek at gmail.com and of course we're on twitter as positively track instagram positively track and uh gosh like what where where else should we be that we're not i don't know if we're not there we'll soon show up patreon.com slash positively track yeah that too <laughs> yeah hey yeah become a patron on patreon that's a whole lot of fun we're going to create some unique little content for you guys over there so who knows what might pop up i actually have something ready to put in there that I haven't even told Ooh, Dan about yet. So. I'm excited. Uh, and also I can't promise this every week, but I'm going to do my best to make episodes of positively Trek available early for patrons on patreon.com slash positively Trek. Uh, last week's episode with Adil Hussein seeing great response to that, by the way, we loved having him on. I did put out a day early for patrons over on patreon.com slash positively Trek. So You never know. Keep an eye out there. I think you can have it set up to email you when there's new posts. So, uh, yeah, you might get a little bit of an early scoop from me and Bruce. Ooh, early scoop. I like that. (laughs) Well, we'll have to see. Everybody should check that out. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we'll see you again next time. And stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.